Hello, and welcome to the Self Project Podcast. I'm your host, Christy Martin, and I'm a life mindset and human design mentor who is all about helping you heal and rediscover your authentic self so you can go out and do some really epic stuff. So this podcast is going to be all about spirituality, self-empowerment, self-discovery, wellness, healing, parenting, sobriety, mental health, you name it, we're going to talk about it. This is all about helping you along in your own self-project journey. So go ahead and let's sit back and dive right in. I want to welcome to the show today, Paul Fortune. Paul was born with cerebral palsy, and he has an incredible story to share with us today. Um, I don't want to give too much of it away, but Paul is now a mindset coach, and he shares his story and uses it to help others overcome obstacles in their own lives. So Paul, I just have to thank you so much for giving your time today, for being here to share with us. I'm myself very, very um, excited to hear your story. So if you did not mind, will you um, just kind of introduce yourself to us and tell us more about you? Yeah, absolutely. First off, Christy, thank you so much for allowing me to come on your show. I I truly, truly appreciate it. And uh, like you said, I'm a mindset coach. So I help people rewrite their stories because I was able to rewrite my story all throughout my life. People tried to write the story for me, but I would not give up the pen. And that started as, as an infant. And if you'd like, I can go into it. I would love that. Okay, great. So like you said, I was born with cerebral palsy. And if your viewers don't know what cerebral palsy is, uh, it happens at birth. It's lack of oxygen to the brain. And as a result, can leave one side of the body paralyzed. And this is a permanent uh, disability. This doesn't go away. So when I was an infant, um, my mom noticed that I wasn't moving the right side of my body. So she took me in for some tests, and uh, it came back that I had cerebral palsy. And the doctors thought it was so severe that they thought I would never be able to walk and that I should get used to being in a wheelchair because that was going to be my life. Well, thank goodness for a great mom. She just didn't go, get, go with that diagnosis. She got a second, third, fourth, finally found a physician that was willing to help, help me. And that's basically where my journey started with uh, physical therapy pretty much every single day. And I was able to defy the doctor's orders when I was able to walk at three. I don't really remember that part, but I do remember being put uh, in soccer when I was five years old. And at the time, I could only run about 25 to 50 yards where these other kids are running laps around the, the soccer field. And I remember telling my mom, this is ridiculous. Uh, I can only run to the lamppost and back and these kids are running laps. I don't want to play soccer anymore. And my mom, I remember my mom telling me that if you don't want to play soccer anymore, that's fine but you have to honor your commitment. We have to finish out the season. And if you don't want to play soccer anymore, that, that, that's fine. So that's basically what happened. I, I finished out the season. I never played soccer again. And I got my, my uh, second break. I, I got surgery around six years old on my right foot to tighten up the tendon and to take away the pain when I was feeling when I run. <clears throat> and I'll never forget this. I changed schools right around that time where I had that operation and I didn't test it out yet. My first day of physical education, PE, we do our stretches and the teacher says, okay, okay, guys, run a lap. And I'm thinking to myself, here we go again. 
I'm going to run 25 to 50 yards and I'm going to have to stop. And these kids are going to see that and they're going to start teasing me. But this time was different because of the operation. I was able to keep going to the point where I normally have to stop. And I remember keeping up with the other kids, saying to myself in my head, going, come on, Paul, you got this, bud. Keep going, keep going. And I finished the lap with the other kids. And on the outside, it kept it cool. But on the inside, I was like, yes, yes, yes. Finally, the first time I'm in my life that I just fit in with the other kids, I didn't stand out. And things did get easier for me because of the operation, but I wouldn't consider them easy. Uh, I changed schools again in junior high. And uh, as you know, junior high is just a tough age period. So just to be a new kid and, and, and going to a new school at junior high, that's tough. Well, I was a new kid with a disability. So it was even tougher for me. So, you know, I was bullied, teased pretty much every single day in junior high. And on top of that, my mom wanted me to go to a uh, Catholic high school. So I had to take an assessment test to see where I was at academically. So I took the test and I must have bombed the test. Um, because when I met with the principal and my mom, the principal said, we're going to put Paul at the lowest level and uh, don't expect much from him. He's not college material. So I had a principal saying that to me. I'm bullying and teased at school. Uh, I, I'm, I'm going in my room, crying myself to sleep because I'm just overwhelmed with these emotions. And I don't know what came over me, but midway through my eighth grade, I was just tired of feeling sad and angry all the time because I, I'm not a sad and angry person, but my, those were my go-to emotions because of the situation I was in. So I thought, what could I do to distract me from these feelings? So at the time, I really, really loved baseball. So I thought, well, what if I set a goal to make my varsity baseball team in high school? So from then on, I played fall ball, winter ball, spring ball. And if I wasn't doing that, I was throwing a tennis ball against the wall. And the greatest thing about this transformation was I was sending out a different energy to the kids than I was before. I had my shoulders back, my head forward. And as a result of this energy that I was sending out to these other kids, instead of bullying and teasing me, they started rooting for me. So my, my junior high to my high school is a totally different experience, all because of the energy that I was sending out to these other kids. Um, and I'm, I'm proud to say I was able to make my varsity baseball team as a junior and senior. And I graduated high school, and I thought to myself about, I thought a lot at this point in time, after I made that goal and, and got it uh, in make, playing baseball, I thought to myself what the principal said to me years earlier about not being college material. Because all through my high school career, I always thought, what's the point of trying hard? I'm not college material. So I just did enough to stay eligible to play baseball. But after my playing days of baseball were pretty much over, I thought, well, why am I not college material? I thought, well, I, I made this goal. And at the time I made this goal, it was pretty much impossible for somebody with cerebral palsy to make a varsity baseball team. So why don't I try to set another goal being college material? So I enrolled in a junior college. I took my 2.0 to 3.5, transferred to a four university, Cal State Fullerton, graduated from there. And I so wanted to go back to that principal and say, see, see, I was college material. But, but I, 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 I thought, well, that I should actually thank that principal for giving me that, that motivation. Maybe I wouldn't have had that motivation if she didn't put that in my head. So I used that as motivation as opposed to anything else. And then I, I graduated college. I have no life experience whatsoever. I have no idea what the heck I want to do with my life. Uh, I had a family friend who was a CEO of a small bank and he asked, why don't you try being a loan officer? And I thought, well, what the heck, let's give it a, give it a shot. So, so I got into that job and when I got into the job, 
nobody wanted to talk to me. Everybody resented me. And the reason why they resented me was because I got this job because I knew the CEO. It wasn't because of my talent. So they, they thought I was spoiled and I, I wasn't going to do a good job. And I remember, uh, you know, going to lunch and nobody wanted to sit at the table with me to eat lunch. And I thought to myself, man, this brings me back to my junior high days. And I thought to myself, what can I do that helped me in junior high to help me now? And I thought, well, I made that goal to play baseball. So what attributes can I use to help me here? And I thought, well, it was ignoring the noise, number one, and putting my head down and working very, very hard. So I thought, okay, let's go. And so uh, if anybody had a task for me to do, I got it done in a, a, a timely manner. I had a great attitude. I uh, you know, asked questions when I could. And then I started to, from afar, because nobody really wanted to talk to me, I started viewing what you know, top performing loan officers did. So I started to put that in my head. And I remember uh, when I was first was supposed to go out in the field and get loans, that CEO came up to me and goes, what are you doing? I'm going, oh, I'm getting ready to go out and get some loans. And he's like, you're, you're not ready yet. You, gotta, you, you need more training. And I'm like, no, no, I got this. Well, I got out there and I fell on my face a lot. I probably wasn't ready, but I, I think it, it, it did help me because it trained me what the what the what the clients actually wanted. So I, I was falling on my face for months and months and months. But then I started to realize what value the uh, the clients wanted. So I started to figure that out. And once I started figuring it out, things started to click for me. And then two years later, I became a top producer. And some of those people that were ignoring me in the beginning now were coming to me for advice. So so I was able to change it all around. And I and I, I really enjoyed the mortgage industry. Was doing great at it. Then 2008, 2009 hit. The economy just totally just tanked, and things started to change. They put some regulations on us, and it was making the job much harder to do. And I was starting to lose the luster of the mortgage industry. And then something happened that changed my life. Uh, this motivational speaker came to talk to our sales team to uh, pump us up, get us more sales. And the guy blew me away. The guy was so awesome. So I made a point to talk to this guy and say, hey, you did a great job, great presentation. And he was so gracious. I, he allowed me to pick his brain. And he told me he started as a life coach. And I'm like, what the heck is a life coach? And he explained to me what a life coach is. And I'm like, you know what? That's what I want to do. So while I was still in the mortgage industry, I got my coaching certificate. I was telling everybody, hey, I, I want to be a, a life coach. And they're like, oh, yeah, 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 whatever. Just get, get loans. And I'm like, no, that's really what I want to do. So I you know, just kept doing both. And then uh, I got to the point where I, I was starting to, to get my website going and I was really going for it. And then the bank was like, hey, whoa, 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 step up. You know, you're, you can't be doing this coaching. This is a conflict of interest. Then I was at a point in my life where I was like, I'm going to have to make a decision because I'm not going to be able to do both. I'm not going to be able to get traction in my coaching business if, if I'm doing both. So I made, made uh, a goal for myself. Well, I'm just going to do the coaching. So I paid off all my debts, changed my spending habits, and I, I went for it. And, and for the first you know uh, months and years, it was tough. I mean, I barely got anybody to, to sign up for me. Nobody wanted to talk to me. And I thought, what am I doing wrong? And then I thought to myself, I'm not being vulnerable with my clients. I'm not sharing myself with my clients. What, how do I expect these people to be vulnerable with me if I'm not vulnerable with me? So that's when I started to think about my own story with cerebral palsy. For the, the longest time, I was ashamed 
of, of my story of having cerebral palsy because all my life, all I wanted to do was fit in with the other kids. So I wanted to bury that story because I didn't want any special treatment. But now thinking about it, the story is very, very powerful. And I can help a lot of people by sharing my story. So once I started to embrace the fact that I had cerebral palsy, things started to change. And finally, I got a break and uh, people started to, to sign up for me. And I was doing a good job with them. And they were recommending me to other, other people. And then, you know, just started snowballing from there. And then I started a podcast and, and I'm helping people with the, with the podcast. And now I'm here, you know, helping a lot of people. And I'm just still trying to grow. That's incredible, Paul. I've got like a page full of notes here. Um just to touch back on things throughout your story. Um, I just absolutely love your story because I feel like it's a lot like mine, just kind of like, um, you know, you met somebody, you met somebody who was doing life coaching and speaking and you're like, that's what I want to do. I felt like mine kind of came much in the way too of like, I, you know, I signed up to do coaching with somebody, you know, over the internet and it completely transformed things. And that's why I was like, I want to do this too you know, I can do this from home, still be a mom, use my skills and help people. So I feel like it just kind of, um, and then, you know, you just kind of following the path of what comes along. That's a lot what it feels like, just kind of like what's, you know, what surprises there for me next? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You're right. You're right. It, every day is different. So I love this. So I absolutely have to say that um, your mom sounds incredible. I love your mom. Um, something that I say to my boys all the time, my, my boy recently, uh, tried out jujitsu and we got about a month into it. And again, he, he hated it. He didn't want to do it anymore. And so I told him the same thing, you know, we've made a commitment. We need to finish out our month. And then, you know, if you don't want to do it, that's fine. I'm not going to force you to do it. So we've always told our boys that starting anything, like if you don't want to do it again, that's fine, but you have to honor your commitment and finish it out, you know, so. How old are your boys? I have five boys. They're eight, nine, 10, 13, and 15. Wow. Yeah. So <laughs> you got your hands full. Yes, we do. So <laughs> that's okay. I wouldn't yeah. trade it. But, and so I really, your mom, when you said she said that, I thought I like her. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she was my voice. Without her, I wouldn't be walking right now. So I owe a lot to my mom for sure. Incredible. Something else that stood out to me is when you you shared about your principal telling you that you weren't college material. And this just really, um, I guess this just kind of fires me up a little because I've heard so many stories. I have my own story of somebody, many mentors, people that, you know, were teachers or mentors or people you're supposed to look up to in school and, you know, as a child or an adolescent or just anything, you're supposed to look up to these people. And then they are you know, placing these beliefs on you that stick with you. Um, I myself in nursing school had an instructor who repeatedly, um, well, actually I had two instructors, one who repeatedly told me that I would never make it also working full-time. I would never be able to complete, you know, my nursing stuff and also work full-time, which again, gives you that fire of watch me, yeah. <laughs> watch yeah. me do. Um, and then another one who constantly told us, um, cause I went for my licensed vocational nurse. So there's licensed vocational nurses and then there's registered nurses. And so on the hierarchy, RNs are higher than LVNs. And so one of our instructors would constantly tell us, um, you know, you're not training to be real nurses anyways. So it was always a game of like, well, you're not real nurses. Um, 
And so, and these things that, you know, we don't even maybe realize have kind of embedded themselves in our programming and they show up years and years later, but just touching back on, I just, you know, it really irks me that people in mentorship positions will put these limiting beliefs on us, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, old school, uh, Catholic, uh, principles like that. I, I felt like that's that, you know, they, they felt like they tell it like it is and that's how it is. And, and I think that, uh, you know, hopefully now there's a new school and, and, and they have a different approach nowadays. Yeah. Well, what I love is, is both in both of our cases, you know, we took that, <laughs> you use that as fuel or determination. And um, I'm also feeling called to reference, I've recently been watching a Netflix show called Atypical, and it's about a 18-year-old boy with autism. And we're at the part where he's just starting to go off to college. And he heard the statistic in one of his peer groups that four out of five students with autism won't graduate college in like the four year time span. And so he gets focused on that statistic and you see him like all throughout the episode, just focused on that four out of five, four out of five, four out of five, four out of five. And so it was just, uh, you know, I was making the relation that, uh, you know, we, we hear these things and it becomes part of the programming becomes part of that subconscious, um, maybe limiting belief. And we don't even realize how powerful these things are, how powerful just, you know, the statistics are or telling somebody just how powerful our words are. So um, I, I really love to. So you set the goal to make the baseball team and I you touched on the energy you sent out. And I'm really thinking about just kind of like um, manifestation. You change the vibration that you, you know, you were operating on. And then that's when you started to, to draw the, you know, that support from the rest of the kids, you started to draw those opportunities to you, you started to manifest those goals that you wanted. And you repeated it again and again, you know, you repeated it when you set that goal to make varsity baseball, then you repeated it again, when you set that goal, when you went into your career, is this kind of something that you use with your clients as well? Um, kind of taking them through that same process? Yeah, we, we focus a lot on what you just talked about, limiting beliefs. It all starts with the mindset. And we need, to, we need to start with loving ourselves first and foremost. If we do not love ourselves, everything else won't, won't come into place. It all starts with us and what we feel about ourselves and how we look at ourselves in the mirror. And once we look at ourselves in the mirror and say, hey, I, I, I am somebody. I am going to do something. Once you start that that mindset, then you can start building from there and taking action. But it all starts with that foundation of self-love. Ah, so important. So important. Um, you know, I've noticed that too. A big thing for me was uh, being aware of my self-talk. That's really, really where I started um, getting to the nitty gritty and making those shifts, really watching kind of my self-talk, the, the thoughts that were on repeat in my head and, um, may not even be aware of them. Something we have tons and tons of thoughts a day. I don't even know the number exactly, but you know, just being able to catch those and be aware of them was a game changer and starting to reframe and change that self-talk and self-love again. So, 
I would love, well, and then you talked about being ashamed of your story. That was the other thing that I wanted to touch on. And I think that that's incredible because I felt like that for so long with my story. My story involves um, alcohol addiction and some really stupid things that I did, you know, all throughout that. And again, for so long, as wanted, I didn't talk about it. Like I didn't even want people to know that I was in alcohol recovery, like did not want to speak about it. And, um, you know, so it's been years, of course, of walking the path and getting more comfortable, sharing more pieces of your story, working through it. It doesn't come overnight. Um, you know, losing that kind of shame and finding the courage in your voice, like it doesn't come overnight, but like you said, um, you just take that action. You just start with one small step forward, step by step by step. And, you know, before you know it with all those tiny, small steps, like you said, you turn around, you've got a podcast, you've got a coaching business, you're helping people, you're, you know, speaking to people. And before you know it, all those small, small, tiny steps, you turn around and, and you can see the, I want to say the pile of like small, tiny stones that have been left behind you. So, you know, so cool. So I would love to know, how are you working with people? So you work one-to-one. Um, do you have any group programs, any other ways in which you work with people? Yeah, I have, I mainly do the one-on-one, but yeah, we have group sessions that we meet uh, every other week with my, some of my clients. If you sign up for the one-on-one, you get the group as part of it. And, and it's great because then the group, they learn more from the group than they learn from me on the group programs because they talk about, oh, you know what? I went through that same thing and this is what I did. And the other person's like, really? And then the, and, and they have a eureka moment and it just starts a domino effect. And it's great because I just sit back and go, I learn from them. Like some of the times they, they say stuff. I'm like, I need to write that down. That is awesome. So, you know, my clients are so awesome. They're great people that a lot of times I'm probably learning more from them. Uh, I think a lot of people feel like coaching and therapy is a weakness. It's not. It's a strength. I have a coach for myself because I feel like there's there's times where I have these roadblocks or these blind spots. And then I have another coach that kind of goes, yeah, you just, just do that. And I'm like, oh, yeah, you're right. I just need to do that. And I think that is tremendous. And and. And it's all about just talking our, our problems out of it. Because as I tell all my clients, you're going to be doing the heavy lifting, not me. I'm just going to ha- help you uh, uncover some things. And once you uncover, you're going to have these moments like of clarity going, oh, you're, yeah, this is where I want to go. And when they thank me, I go, no, don't thank me. Thank yourself. You're the one doing it. I'm just here trying to guide you. So, you know, that that's where it all starts. It all starts with them and them doing the heavy lifting. And once they take responsibility, the sky's the limits. I love that. You're the facilitator. I love to say that too. Like, you know, you're doing the work. We're just here to facilitate and, you know, guide along and mentor. I, I thought of a question while you were speaking, and I think this is going to tie in well. Um, you know, you talked about like things like coaching therapy, that they're not a weakness. Like myself, I have two different mentors. I have one for my business and then one for, you know, more the personal stuff that I'm, you know, limiting beliefs that I'm going through. And I was actually, um, I love that you mentioned this because I want to bring up like coaching could be for everybody. My husband is in more, um, kind of like a nine to five job. He, you know, works in 
for a school district. And, you know, we were kind of speaking the other night and, you know, as somebody who's identified with his career, his entire life, he's kind of hit that, you know, midlife point where he's like, you know, unmotivated and kind of just, he's identified with his career so long. He's like, where, what about the other areas of my life? So one of the things I asked him to do, I said, I really encourage you to like find a life coach or some kind of a success coach or just something. I said, because you have identified with your career so long, there are other pieces of you. And so um, I said, I don't care if it's like a life coach, if you want to do a career coach, like you need to find yourself a mentor. So I would love to touch on, on maybe if you could share it, why, you know, why would it be important for us to kind of have a coach in any aspect? Like it doesn't matter what career you're in. You don't have to be an entrepreneur or building your own business, but um, you know, why, why would it be important for somebody? Well, well, for me is, is there's a lot of times in your life that you're going to have struggles, you know, and you want to talk to somebody. And, and I know that we all have friends, you know, that we can go to, but after a while, you don't want to burden your friends with all your problems because then your friends can be like, I don't want to hang out with this person. All they he does is come and tell me his problems. I, you know, I'm going to have fun. Right. Whereas like, when you have a coach or a therapist, you don't have to worry about that. That's their job. So you can open up and talk about what's going on. And once you start opening it up, then you start to think, okay, this is what we can do to change things around and, and unburden yourself. Because a lot of times, you know, a lot of times after my coaching sessions that I have, I have kind of a more of a business coach than anything else, but it gets into the life stuff. But sometimes I feel like, oh, the weight is off my shoulders now. You know, I was able to get it all out and now I can move forward. I had a client, um, gosh, uh, I'm not going to go into the details, but she, uh, she, had, she called me and I'm thinking, and I could hear in her voice that it was going to be a tough call because just you could just hear it in her voice and she was going she was telling me her story and what was going on in her story and le i let it i let her get it all out all out and i go are you all is it all out and she goes yeah and i went back through her whole story and i go you're doing this great you're doing this great you're doing this great you're doing this great and she started to have this epiphany like you know what you're right i was doing that great but i was so focused on the negative i was missing all this positive things that i was doing and I'm not saying by the end of the call that she was jumping for joy, but you could tell in her voice that she was much, much lighter. And for me, that was a win. I love, I'm thinking sometimes we need a different perspective. We get so stuck in like our own mind, our own perspective, our own uh, kind of feedback loop that sometimes having somebody come in who can say, Hey, I see these things in you, but you're not seeing in yourself right now. Hey, um, look at it from this perspective. Um, that can be a game changer. It can be a game changer. It's enough to sometimes snap you and go like, oh my gosh, they're right. Like, whoa, let me, let me jump out of this, this like hamster wheel that I've been in. So I, I, I love how you've explained it like that. Like sometimes you just need somebody who can come in and offer a different perspective and kind of point you like, we're not here to do the work for you. I like to, um, you know, say that we can't do the work for you. We can't achieve the results, the transformation that's for you. Like you have to do the work, but, um, you know, we can be here. Other coaches can be there for you to offer different perspectives to, again, just kind of guide you down. Hey, look into that or try this, try that. And it's just almost, um, 
like this is almost a fast tracked way because you can stumble through the life by yourself trying to figure these things out. You know, that's totally doable too. Like we said, you don't need us to do the work, but at the same time, um, just having somebody there to support and kind of help you along is what it's all about. So I would love to know where are we able to find you at online if somebody wants to be able to connect with you? The easiest way is through my website and it's a call to action.coach. And I have, uh, you can sign up on the website to have a free consultation with me, or you can even call me and we could set something up that way. I, I go old school too. If you want to just call me and we can set up a free consultation. I always set up a free coaching session because sometimes, you know, we may not be a right fit for each other. You know, you, you may need somebody else to work with. And I work with several other coaches and I go, you know what, uh, you know, you'd be really work well with that. Uh, with this coach. I, I do a podcast actions limits with another coach and he coaches a little bit differently. He, he specialized in people that were ex military, uh, police officers, you know, surgeons, people in high stress uh, positions. And he's really, really good with that. So if that falls under that line, he uses a different language that works well with them. So, you know, it's, it's kind of good that, there's, there's a coach for somebody, you know, it's not an all fits all type of thing. So I'm really good about that because you know what, I, I, I just don't want to just take the money just to take the money. I want to help people out because I feel like if I do that, if I do it the right way, the right clients will come my way and I'll be just fine. So I always have that, that mentality. If I feel it's not a fit, I make sure that they find somebody that is a better fit. I love that. Um, yeah, I'm much the same way. You want to be a great energetic fit. You want to feel comfortable with each other. So I just have to say, it's been incredible having you on today. You have shared so much, um, just great, just great motivational, inspirational things with us. But did you have anything that, um, you know, we didn't talk about that you wanted to share or maybe kind of a closing message for our listeners? Uh, absolutely. I want to let everybody know that everybody has some sort of special talent inside them. They just need to find out what it is. And once you find out what that special talent or that passion is, go out in the world and share it with everybody. Because if you believe you can achieve and there is no limits, go after what you want to go after and rewrite your story. Don't let anybody, don't let anybody take away your pen. You are the author of your own story and you write down what you want to do with it. Boom. There you have it. <laughs> I love it. I love the energy. Paul, thank you so much for being here today, for giving your time to share with us. This has been an amazing episode. So thank you. I love the conversation. Thank you so much, Christy. Thank you so much for joining me today for the Self Project Podcast. I hope that you were able to find something useful or inspirational to take away with you today. So come and connect with me over on Instagram. It's at underscore Christy Martin. And let me know what you want to hear more of. Go ahead and subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. And I will see you next time.